Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our senior pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we are thankful for your word because as we just sang, it is our story. It, it is who we are and it is what we have come from. So anytime we have the opportunity to expound on your word, it helps us to see how you are calling us to live our lives as people of grace, people of hope, people of peace. So God, we ask that you allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I wanted to start out with a question, very simple question. That question is, can you keep a secret? How, How are you doing that? I am horrible. I cannot keep a secret. Actually, Tracy, who was here early service, I was talking about her because her birthday is coming up soon. But and already I'm going. You want to know what you got for your birthday? You want you want to know what your birthday present? And she's like, "Okay, Chris, do you really want to tell me?" Said, "No, I don't want to tell you." And it'll it'll be a game we'll play until the 24th of of June. But but it's something that I, I I just can't hold it. If I know something good, and, and I really got her a good present this year, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to tell her what we're doing for her birthday, but uh, uh, on the side. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've always had a hard time of keeping things a secret. Matter of fact, talking about the New Hope thing, uh, I didn't realize that was supposed to be a secret for the congregation this morning. So I, I walked back where, where Pastor Graves was this morning. I am so excited that you all are getting a temporary plaque today. <laughs> and he just looked at me, what? Is it? Oh, you did not know that. But he did a good job of playing that he didn't know. But I, I admitted to Mark and to Janet and Charlie that I, I, I spilled the beans. But I didn't know. It was a secret. But keeping a secret is something that uh, there, there's a whole industry that has been made to, to, to uncover secrets. Remember back in 2009, there was a movie by uh, uh, Julia Roberts and Clive Owen called Duplicity. And it's a fun little movie about corporate espionage, where, where they were trying to get in to get the corporation's secret. That way they can expose it or, or use it for their own gain and everything. Here recently in the, in the base, baseball world, there's uh, something called City Connect jerseys. Have any of you heard of the City Connect jerseys? Any, nobody? Okay. Well, they're, they're, they're special baseball uniforms that, that are supposed to highlight different things from different cities. It started in 2001 where, where Boston, they had this one jersey that was representing the Boston Marathon. And, and Boston would wear that here or there. But now, one of the things that I'm noticing that there is a, a industry, if you will, I don't think they're getting paid to do it, but people are trying to find out exactly what the next 
City Connect jersey is. We, we know what the cities are that are being released. I know the Rangers had their City Connect released this year, but the next one is the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you look there at the top, the yellow one, that is supposedly what the Pittsburgh Pirates City Connect jersey is going to look like. I think it's going to be released on Friday. But all of these pictures, and people are already guessing, you know, Baltimore, they had theirs leaked. Seattle had theirs leaked. Every single one of them, somebody is able to get in and figure out what the secret is behind the City Connect jerseys. I, if you go on YouTube, there are many different YouTube channels that are talking about the different secrets or things about the Marvel Universe. You know, what are the big things like who in the world is going to be playing uh, Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four movie? And there are all these videos that are, are out there just to try to, to figure out what the secret is before we actually understand what is happening or what is going on. Over the next week, weeks, we are going to be stepping into a sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. Now, there, there are two sides to the Gospel of Mark. The first seven chapters are about Jesus' identity, who, who Jesus is. The very opening part of, of the Gospel of Mark says, this is Jesus who is the Messiah, and then the second part talks about all of the works that Jesus has did. But we're going to be focusing just on those first eight, eight chapters of, of Mark and, and to kind of really understand the identity who Jesus is. So I wanted to give just kind of a, a little synopsis of, of what the Gospel of Mark is. First of all, it is the shortest of all four Gospels. It's only 16 chapters long. So if you're wanting to quickly read through a book of the Bible that's not one of the Johns or uh, some of the smaller prophets in the Old Testament, Mark would be a very good uh, book or gospel to start with. Matter of fact, when we do our third grade Bibles, I always have them do three separate things whenever I give them their Bibles. I have them memorize uh, John 3.16. I have them memorize uh Psalm 118, verse 105, that's your word is a lamp to my feet and a life into my light into my path. But I also tell them to read through the Gospel of Mark. That way, their first experience, or, or maybe their first experience with that particular Bible, they have an opportunity to read through the life of Jesus and, and get a quick glimpse of, of who Jesus is. Mark stands aside besides Matthew and Luke in what's called the synoptic gospels. And, and what synoptic means is there, there are several things that are the same. Mark, by the way, has 99% of Mark you can find in the gospel of Matthew and in the gospel of Luke. It was the, the source material that those two gospel writers used to, to build up their gospels and to use them to help promote and share who Jesus is. It said that, that Mark was written toward a, a, Gentile, off, a Gentile audience, not a, not a Jewish audience, and they were, they were Christian converts and they were from Rome. Now, one of the funny things that I, I think that's funny about the Gospel of Mark is that one word is used 41 times within the uh, 16 chapters of Mark. And that word is immediately. 
So Jesus immediately did this. Jesus immediately went to. Jesus immediately healed someone. All of those type of things. Mark, Mark was like, okay, we got to tell the story. We got to tell it fast. We, we, we got to get the news about who Jesus is. Another part of the gospel of Mark is that it is the gospel where we hear Jesus say a lot, don't tell anyone. Don't, don't, don't say anything or, or be quiet. Just before our passage today, Jesus heals a man with, who is demon-possessed, and the demon is calling out, uh, you know, saying who Jesus is, and Jesus tells the demon to be quiet. But we wonder why does Jesus want to make sure that people don't talk about who he is or what he does? So, with that little background about the Gospel of Mark, let's go to our scripture today. It's from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. We'll have the words on the screen for you to follow along, or you can follow along with your Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. A man with leprosy came to Jesus, and he knelt down. He begged, you have the power to make me well, if only you wanted to. Jesus felt sorry for the man, so he put his hand on him and said, I want to. Now you are well. At once the man's leprosy disappeared, and he was well. After, Jesus strictly warned the man and sent him on his way. He said, don't tell anyone about this. Just go and show the priest that you are well. Then take a gift to the temple as Moses commanded, and everyone will know that you have been healed. The man talked about it so much and told so many people that Jesus could no longer go openly into a town. He had to stay away from the towns, but people still came to him from everywhere. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a man with leprosy. Is, is one who we hear about first, that Jesus heals from his infirmity. And, and if you know anything about leprosy, at that time, a person who was a leper was banned from the city. A person from leprosy was told that he could not come anywhere near any other person because they were afraid that the disease would transfer from one person to another. They were, they were afraid that, that the entire community might be infected because one man or one woman who was affected with leprosy would come and, and infect the entire city. Now, something about leprosy. Leprosy is, is a horrible, horrible disease. I recently read a book by uh, Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey, and, and in it they talk about the horrors and the, the tragedy of, of what leprosy can do to a person without, besides the boils and the, the rashes and everything they have on their body. Most of the people who are affected with leprosy, they, they, they lose their nerve endings. So if they were walking along and they were cut on their foot, they wouldn't feel that until it was too late. Or if they were accidentally were to fall into a fire, they wouldn't feel anything and they would just burn because they had no nerve endings in them. They would be at risk of horrible things happening to them because of this affliction. So it doesn't surprise me that when this man 
hears uh, that Jesus is in town, that he goes to be healed. It doesn't surprise me that, that he takes all of the risk, all of the opportunity, all of the chances just to, to go and be with Jesus and not do what he is commanded to do in scriptures, to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean, I am unclean, just to make sure people avoided him. But he knew that if he had the opportunity to come face to face with the living Messiah, that he would be touched and he would be healed. You know, at all rights, Jesus could have easily banished this man. He could have called him out and, and told him and, and, be, and forcibly removed from the area to save all of the people. But Jesus had empathy. Jesus had compassion, and Jesus touched him and says, I want to make you well. I want to make you whole. I want you to have the life that, that we all have, and so you don't have to deal with this horrible disease again. But then why in the world does Jesus follow up this miraculous healing with a command to not tell anyone, to, to, to quietly go away. Now, a simple reading of this passage could, could make you think that what Jesus is doing, he, he's telling them to, to go away and not say anything because he doesn't want to be bothered. You know, we hear that the man started to go ahead and to start talking about everything that Jesus did, and, and the next thing we know that Jesus wasn't able to go back into the towns, and he had to stay on the outskirts, but people still crowded around him, and people still came to see him. But I don't, I don't think that's it. Because even if we go to the first part of the Gospel of Mark, we see that, that Jesus was proclaimed to be the Messiah. Jesus was proclaimed to say that, that he was going to be doing something miraculous. When, when Jesus was baptized earlier in Mark's gospel, we see that after he was baptized and he came out of the water, we heard God say that this is my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then Jesus went away for the wilderness for a little bit. And then a couple of verses later, after we find out that John, who was originally testifying who Jesus was, was arrested, Jesus begins his public ministry. And in his public ministry, Jesus shares this. He says that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the reason why I think that Jesus told the man to go away and not, and not say what was happening was because Jesus didn't want the attention to all be on him. Jesus' healing and Jesus' power, he was using to proclaim the kingdom of God was here and that everybody was available to receive the kingdom of God in their lives. Jesus knew that if the man were to follow what it was that Leviticus says for a leper to do after they were healed, that all honor and praise and glory would go to God because the man would go to a priest to be signified as clean and then go to the temple to honor the, the sacrifices that needed to be made. And then everybody said, he has done everything that he needs to do 
So we know that he is clean. Jesus did not want the attention and focus to be on him, but he wanted the attention and focus to be on God and on the kingdom that God was establishing with Jesus here on earth. One of my favorite authors, and I consider him a mentor of mine, is James Bryant Smith. And if you've been around, you've heard me talk about him uh, in sermons or in classes. And, and Jim would have a saying that, that he founded in one of his classes teaching at Fringe University that I share and I even have it written on my desk. It is, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I, I love looking at that picture because it gives me an idea of who I am. But there's another part to this particular phrase that Jim would also say. He would say, I am one in whom Christ dwells in the lights. And then he would continue by saying, and I live in God's unshakable kingdom. And the kingdom is not in trouble. And so neither am I. Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? To know that God's kingdom is never in trouble. And since God's kingdom is never in trouble, therefore, because I am in the kingdom of God, I'm not in trouble. No matter how hard life may come at you, no matter the difficulties that we may face in our lives, we are quite fortunate that we don't have to deal with the disease of leprosy. But there are other things that we deal with in our own lives. That sometimes I feel like our lives are shaken. Our lives are, are shattered. Our, our lives can be uh, torn apart. But the promise that we have and the promise that, that Jesus is proclaiming to us today through our scriptures is that because Christ has come, the kingdom is never in trouble. And because God's kingdom is never in trouble, we are also not in trouble. So, so how does this play out with our scripture today? Well, the, the, the leopard, he absolutely took 100% trust in Jesus. He knew that if he were to be face-to-face -face with the Messiah, that the Messiah would heal him. The Messiah would give him what he needed so that he could be fully healed and restored. Paul talked about this later in his, uh, in, in his letters to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm sure the leopard, uh, leper, as he was walking towards Jesus, he was thinking in his mind, how in the world can I be healed with what I am dealing with? How in the world can I uh, know that Jesus will heal me? But, but he had trust and he had faith knowing that Jesus would see him. Jesus would touch him and Jesus would give him relief from this disease that has plagued him for so long. What does it take for us 
to put our trust in Jesus? What does it take for us to say, you know, God, sometimes I have tried so hard on my own to, to, to get to where I need to go, and, and it's just tiring. God, I, I've been dealing with this disease, or I've been dealing with this issue in my family. I've been dealing with this issue at work. I've been dealing, the list can go on and on and on. But I think our passage today says that if we place our trust in Jesus, we know that he has us already within his kingdom, and he will hold us, he will guide us, and he will lead us. And the only thing that we have to do is that we have to take the crowns off of our own heads and place them at the feet of Jesus. That's an image that we can see in, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, where, where the believers are gathered around the throne, and John writes that they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their beings. I don't know about you, but, but for me, I, I like my little kingdom. I like being in control of what I have around me. And the idea sometimes that I need to take the crown that I have on my head, the crown that I've given myself, if we're honest, and place that crown at the feet of Jesus. I know that I'll be fine. I know that I will be taken care of. Does that mean that the storms are going to stop brewing around me? Does that mean that I'm no longer going to have any difficulties in my life? No, it doesn't. But when we have the opportunity to walk through the storms with Jesus at our side, we can hear Jesus saying, my kingdom's not in trouble. There is nothing that will ever tear apart the kingdom of God. And because you are a part of that kingdom, nothing, nothing will tear you apart. So, a practice for us this week. How can we enter into the kingdom of God? How, how can we say, God, I am going to, to lay my life down for you so that you can lift me up? How can I give to you those things that, that I hold close to the chest because I don't want anybody else to touch them? How can I release them to you so that you can guide me and so that you could lead me. I want to suggest that the very first thing we do is that we take the smallest and simplest things. If you can't give your whole life to God right now, take something small and hand it over to Jesus. One of the teachers that I've had in the School of Kingdom of Living, her name is Jan Johnson. And one of the lectures that she gave during this 
this this this idea of allowing God's kingdom to fully live in our lives. She said, you know, there was one time that I was uh, late for a meeting. And I was looking around my house and I couldn't find my car keys. A and I was getting frantic. And I was getting worried. I was looking here. I was looking there. I went to like the same place like three or four times. And finally I had to stop and I felt this sense of calm come over me. And then I said, Jesus, help me find my keys. And then she said, immediately, there's that word from Mark, immediately she found her keys. Now, the skeptic, which I can be a little bit, can say, well, of course she found her keys. She just, she just looked, wasn't looking in the right spot. But somebody who fully lives within the kingdom of God who knows that that kingdom is not in trouble and neither are we, says Jesus had those keys there for her. That Jesus took care of that one need. And my immediate thought after that is like, if Jesus would take care of Jan Johnson finding her keys, just think, what else if we were able to trust him with, would he be able to take care of for us? Let us pray. Oh God, we see this image of the leper coming to Jesus and, and asking for healing, knowing that he had the power and authority. God, I think sometimes we are afraid to admit that we know that you have the power and authority in our lives. So God, I ask as we close this service together, I ask that you allow us to release whatever may be holding us away from you. And saying, God, here, here is my crown. Here are the things that I hold dear to my life. They, they are yours. Take them. So they may be also in your kingdom and not in mine. Take them so that they may thrive and dwell in your kingdom. And so that I know that as I dwell in you, you dwell in me. You help me grow. You help me experience life, and you help me to share that life with others. So God, all that we have and all that we are, we give to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.